Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Varney. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. There's a moment every time that I wish we weren't doing a video podcast anymore. This was my moment. <laughs> Keith is literally and figuratively tethered to the podcast. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast that talks all about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to Season 5, Episode 11, entitled An Early Frost, and what we're experiencing is kind of a late hurricane, it feels like, outdoors. How's it going, Mike? I love that. For the most part, even though we are separated by two-ish hours or so, Mm -hmm. we get the same weather. It is... uh... We are inundated here. It's the this is the hardest rain we've had since we've been Pennsylvanians. And, oh yeah, uh, our electricity is not really up to the task. It seems we're flickering quite a bit. So this should be a uh, interesting. So anything could happen. As is usually the case. And and by anything I mean like we might just stop doing this. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. if you <laughs> very get very abruptly. In, you know what's funny is as Jen is catching up on like some past episodes, past like five or so, and there was a few episodes where uh, they were we were putting them in the can real fast, and they weren't they weren't edited great. Like we were out of sync, <laughs> and then I resynced us and like reuploaded mm-hmm. it, but then mm-hmm. like the bumper was all effed up. Uh, you know, none of this really I'm clocking because I don't listen. Yeah, I know. Uh, just <laughs> an apology for those catching up who've had to go through some some trials and tribulations listening due to my uh, sheer incompetence, technically. So my apologies. Oh, all right. Well, I'm sure it was fine. I mean, I know people are only here because of our professionalism. That's true. And our absolute lack of mistakes and clean editing, transitions, et cetera, et cetera. So I love that we we try to stay real time in our, well, I guess we have to, it's a podcast, but when I look back at the analytics, the bulk of the listeners are probably eight to ten weeks behind. Oh, yeah. So it's funny. At, at least, yeah. No, and of course, because we talk so much about what's going on in real life, you know, we're going through COVID in real time, going through the election in real time, and it's completely useless to to anybody. Because like, Podcasting, of all things, is a very bad medium for doing, like, up-to-date stuff. Mm-hmm. Unless you're listening to like the daily or a news podcast, which is tough because if you're if you're on like 538 or whatever, three days after you drop the episode, it's kind of pointless. Yeah. Whereas like all of the political hot takes are sort of already old once they hit the microphone. Yeah. 
No, for sure. And luckily, we don't do any of that here and haven't had any complaints from our listeners about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What was the other thing I wanted to tell you? Ah, I've already forgotten. Uh, It'll come up. I'm sure it'll come up. All right. Well, I will take this moment. Uh, one of the are you homeless we... in our in our? I want for the, the audience wants to know. In my write up yes. for YouTube last week, it ended with Keith, Keith is homeless? Question mark. I I am uh, I am not homeless yet. Uh, we are we are still in the uh, householding pattern as we wait for the paperwork to get sorted okay. out. Um, and so uh, th- this process, even my. My mortgage guy, who I just talked to, and to try to figure out how to like keep our interest rate going past the blah 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 after like three extensions, he's like, "Wait, how long have we been working on this?" I'm like, "We're like we're old friends now. We started this whole process in like freaking August. It's insane." What's uh, that? But we are still hoping. Hold on, this is this just in? Uh, oh, oh what old news? people say? Mm. Anytime you use the phrase "my mortgage guy," my mortgage, yeah. <laughs> I know it is. It is really actually. You know, speaking of old people, uh, there have been many things of late that have uh, reminded me of my oldness and and just really just settling into middle agedom. Um, certainly, anything related to a mortgage is that way. Fortieth uh, birthday, obviously that way. But I it really clocked in yesterday uh, when. I was going through all like the Black Friday deals or this out the other thing, and I got super jazzed about ordering a fancy power strip. Oh yeah, I'm like you know that what? is you the oldest sh- thing I've ever heard. You use those shitty ones from CVS, and they're not power yeah. strips. Those are no, power extensions. Not. Yes, Keith, I have. Huh? Goodness oh, gracious! Look at that. What a good one. Woo! I just yeah, got and- one not long ago. It was like 140 dollars. You gotta. Oh, I did not. This was like 25. Yeah, that's not really well. I lost the television once. You literally got a a surge destroyed my television, and so we heard about it all on the on the podcast. Were we doing the podcast then? (laughs) Oh my god, it's forever. (laughs) I'll add to that. I got a Hmm. a time hop this Monday, Mm -hmm. um, from two thousand and thirteen, so seven years ago. Okay, and it's me in front of the Christmas tree with my nieces, who are babies at the time, which Hmm. breaks my heart because they're not babies anymore. Right. But I am in such great shape. I'm clearly right after a run, skinny as hell, mm-hmm. fit mm-hmm. as a fiddle, and I was like, uh, God damn. Now, you keep telling yourself, I can get back there easy, but now I remember me and Jen went for a turkey trot on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to our listeners last week. Oh, yes, fun. And uh, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> I've done a Philadelphia turkey trot, and it also was yeah. The only thing trotting was my stomach as it bobbled up and down. Oh, well, it, it, for your birthday, those pictures of Titanic, when I saw, <laughs> I was so... You were emaciated. I, I was underweight. I was, like, full-on, like, I had a disorder of some sort, and I, like, you could see, like, my spine. Uh, but, yeah. I, I'll never I, forget that, because I remember you telling me I used to be a fat guy when I yeah. first met you, and I was like, what? That's impossible, but... We both you believe have shown it now, our, don't you? We, we both have shown, Keith, you and I both, that our skin is flexible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we I we have shown range. I believe in acting; it's called range. <laughs> yes, that is true. Uh, 
Yes, I. but the characters I can play include very skinny guys and very fat guys. Now I'm sort of like, I, I think I've found my niche. I think mm-hmm. I've found my track that I want to uh, I want to continue with. Uh, but I, I, actually, speaking of acting, I should quickly say congratulations to my sister-in-law, who this week was nominated for a Grammy Ooh. for the cast album of Soft Power. So You know, Pete, we exciting. had discussed last week, I'm sure you haven't prepped it, um, because I forgot until just this second, uh-huh. we were going to do more TV Christmas edition. Oh, yeah. I didn't remember that because I didn't care. Yeah, So, and I'm not even ready with graphics or anything. So let's just, I'm just going to say, ready for it? Oh, you have more TV. Do I have the, I don't think I have it. No, I don't. I'm not prepared for it. Okay, don't worry about it. Then. Uh, I just want to mention a couple of so Jen, CEO Jen, is a fanatic mm-hmm. when it comes to the Christmas season, and so I've given her permission to Christmassy up the apartment, and we've started mm-hmm. watching some Christmas uh, specials. So what I've been watching in the Christmas universe is Netflix's uh, Jingle Jangle musical. It's a holiday musical, uh, starring and singing. Anikanani Rose, Felicia okay. Rashad, Forrest oh. Whitaker in the lead role. Forrest Whitaker, interesting. Mm-hmm. In a compelling, very emotional performance. Really? Uh, I cannot remember who wrote the score. It's, the cynical side of me says it's it's like a Greatest Showman ripoff score. It's really going for that specific vibe. Uh-huh. What's that, Pasek and Paul? Yes, but yeah. they did not write this. Uh, but no. it's the music's okay. It's 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 fun. It's and it, I'll say this, you know, it's not a Christmas movie in any way, shape, or form, other than they just like put it in the Christmas kind of season and 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 give it all the Christmas trappings. There's right. no reason for it to be a holiday musical. But I'll say this: it um it is well performed, it is heartfelt, it is incredibly inclusive. You know, that was sort of one of the points clearly in their production of this. Right. It, all it, the Hallmark movies, like generic white person, generic white person, straight as hell. Yes, this is not to that. This is the direct opposite sort of answer to that. And, but it doesn't feel stunty in that way. It doesn't feel like there, I don't know how to say this without, I'm a white guy, right? So it it doesn't feel like they're like, we're doing, it's inclusive, it's inclusive, but it is. Right. Well, I think at this point, outside of Hallmark, like only generic white people feels more like the stunt today. Yeah. Well, because it like what what town is that? <laughs> like what so world anyway, is I, that? I, I highly recommend it if if you're feeling you want something sort of like saccharine, but well performed. The, the performances are really special. Some of the character actresses are really it's just it's there. It's not perfect, but it's it's absolutely worth worth a watch. Juxtaposed with every Christmas season, we we download the friendly fr- friendly TV app F R N D L Y, and it's only shows you like family friendly and Christian leaning television uh, right. channels. So your Hallmark series, your I don't even remember Good Faith. What I don't even remember something something. We get it because an angel. YouTube TV doesn't give you Hallmark, oh. and Hallmark Now, the Hallmark app, doesn't give you the the latest run fifty five Hallmark movies for the season. Oh boy, you got problems. So for four dollars a month. For for the two months, December and January, I I let Jen subscribe to this thing. 
So we watched Hallmark's big, inclusive, new-run movie, which features <laughs> a uh, your general white guy, white girl. No, just mm-hmm. kidding. Your general white guy lead. He's a handsome TV actor who's getting back together with the real estate agent who was also the girl next door, played by who's a who's Hispanic in her background in the show. So that's inclusive. The brother, Whoa. his brother who comes home for Christmas dinner is married to a man and they are trying to adopt a baby. So that's inclusive. Ooh. And in a new outreach of inclusivity, the senior parents are having marital problems. Oh my so God. So Hallmark's really, now, does the plot tick through precisely as you think it does? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure as hell does. But you know what? They're trying, I guess. So many tokens, it might as well be a Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) And then last night, I couldn't do it. Jen was like, I'm going to watch the lesbian one. I was like, all right, let me know how that goes. (laughs) So we were watching those. We have on our queue right now, our favorites growing up, uh, Home Alone, which is, you know, Home Alone came out when we were that age. We were Kevin. Sure. No, I saw it in the theaters. I remember it. I saw it in the theaters. I read the book. My dad, I I love it. It has the whole soft spot for me and Jen and I bond over it because- my dad would watch that scene where Merv, Marv, Marv, Merv. gets electrocuted. Merv. Every, everything that happened with those guys, with Pesci and with, mm-hmm, oh, what's the guy, mm-hmm. what's his name? What's the actor's name? He does the voice in, he does the voice in Wonder Years. He's the other sticky bandit. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, my dad would howl, like to the point of pissing his pants. And, <laughs> and Jen says Just- her dad would do the same thing. And so it, it, it's sort of this thing we bond over that. And my all-time favorite- Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern. And we haven't watched it yet, but I watch it. You know, everybody loves The Christmas Story. And take it or leave it. I, I never was, I, maybe it was a little before my time. For me, it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's the one- Sure, sure. That is my classic. And I could watch it. Chevy Chase is my father in that movie. Like, my dad was a little uh, bit of a dichotomy. He was a good guy, bad guy. But mm-hmm. good guy dad was Chevy Chase in that movie. Interesting. And so it's for, it's a lot of different psychological levels for me. It's also just a hysterical movie. So that's what we've been watching. Oh, and nailed it, of course. Nailed it. Holiday edition. Oh, uh, is yeah. Always that's fun. is always fun. So that's what always we've been fun. watching. Keith, anything? Have you guys hit the Christmas season yet? Or are you too busy trying to buy a house? Well, it, neither one of us are like super Christmas-y in that way. Um, when, I mean, when we were able to visit our parents, uh, her parents are like super Hallmark movie and it's like 24-7 on starting in like Halloween. Uh, so they're watching all of it. We don't, we get enough of it when mm-hmm. we're visiting. You know, we get get plenty, get plenty. Uh, it is It is enjoyable, it's fun. But we have been watching and... Uh, Spend a lot of time pausing and discussing <laughs> Murder on Middle Beach. Me too! Which is a- oh, yes! She won't watch it, so I'm so glad. Can we talk about it for a second? <laughs> you sure? Because I have a it's, lot of thoughts. I, I do too, and I don't want to get too spoilery with it because... Oh, wait, hey, give we kind don't- of an overview plot synopsis real quick. Yeah, so it's oh, basically... Wait, got- this moment, the next two to five minutes, probably mm-hmm. more because Keith and I got to get into it, will count as this week's Back in Time True Crime because I got nothing oh, for later. So let's okay. count this as that. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, yeah, Back in Time True Crime. I, I can't get to the piano right now. Uh, Fine, fair. 
yeah, so it is a documentary uh, directed and starring the son of a woman who was murdered in Connecticut and whose murder was 10 years ago. And it is still, as of where we are in the documentary, unsolved. And uh, so he is has been doing this documentary for seven, eight, nine years, and he's trying to piece together what happened and who killed his mother. And where we are in the process now, he has interviewed all of his family members, and there's all these crazy things going on. And every time the story unravels a little bit further, you're like, I could genuinely believe literally anybody in this guy's entire life could have killed his mother. And it is so fascinating as we watch this sort of beautiful Connecticut family seeming slowly unravel and unravel and unravel to the point where like, wow, everybody here is so fucked up. I believe they could legitimately have killed this woman. And it's a really... It's really fascinating. We've learned a lot about gifting tables and which I've never that. heard of before. No, uh, neither had I. It, so I mean, it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. So basically, the each episode sort of sort of centers around one potential suspect or group of suspects. Right. And I'll tell you what the achievement. Three episodes in, there's only one more. I love short form documentary, like these documentary series, like The Vow, which was nine hours, too long. Like, right, 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 right. What I, I think is the achievement so far is within the first 45 minutes, I got worried because I was really invested in the mystery. But anytime the documentarian is also the subject slash star, it can get, especially when this kid clearly had a lot of issues growing up and he's he's dealing with a lot. It can become very, the fear is that it will become very inundated about the meanness of it. Right, very navel-gazing. Yes, and it somehow he, he somehow, it, it is a little that way in the beginning, but it, it absolutely. Part uh, of it is necessarily so. Yes, right, but the fear is that it's going to become about, about that, and it's not, because he clearly loves his family. Even the people, his aunts who are uh, under suspicion, his sister who's under suspicion, um, and none of this is by the police. This is all his father, everybody, really. And he doesn't really have a- any of his own suspicions. He's literally on a on an answer-finding quest. And that allows it to not become too influenced by his own investigation. He's just laying right. out facts. He's hired a private investigator who's kind of along the journey with him. And it really, the mystery is really awesome. But what I love about it is like is what Keith said. Every one of us, look into your family. From the outside, there are probably plenty of people who are like, "Oh, what a great family! We love the Varneys. We love the Indeglios. They're like a they're the perfect example the of perfect, a perfect family." Right. right. And the, we, as we all know, we're all the stars of our own documentary. Everybody's family's a little effed up, and this one's more than a little effed up. Uh, no yeah. one's been brutally murdered, but. Uh, I guess where we're going with this is that it's a it's a great documentary. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. And I, I, will, I will say only one more thing about it, and that is sort of every episode is kind of... It's not quite accusing another person, but like, let's explore if this person killed it, and let's explore if this person killed her. And all but one of those people didn't do it. 
but there's an HBO documentary with at least 25 minutes. Like, was it the sister? Was it the aunt? Was it the father? And I'm like, if I didn't do it, I'd be pretty pissed about the sort of tone of, which it's, it's, it's subtle. Like he is really fair with everybody, Mm -hmm. but there, but there is a little bit of a, well, is it this person? And it, (laughs) Well, and like Keith said, every time they do that, you're like, yep, that's the person. That's the one. Like, yeah. And it's not even sensationalize it. Like, these people had some, have had some life journeys. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's bonkers, man. I well, feel it's bad like, for it, all of them. I mean, it, it's a little spoilery, but like, one of them admits to trying to hire a hitman to kill that woman. And she's not necessarily the person we think did it. Yeah, because they well, it's you like, get into drugs and alcohol and what you do when you're effed up and 25 yeah. years old. It's uh it's a it's a triumph in a lot of ways. Uh, last bit, this has nothing to do with Christmas. We've we've done we've gone off. Oh ho ho. Um but recommended to me after that on HBO Max as well is the uh DB Cooper documentary. Oh, yeah. It's great, Keith. It's great. Is it? Uh, okay. If you have even a passing interest in the DB Cooper and every who doesn't? If you don't know that that's the guy who I think it was the 70s? 60s. It was when, 60s, 70s, yeah, 60s. Uh, hijacked a plane, asked for $200,000, got the $200,000. He also asked for a parachute. He jumped out of the plane, and nobody ever saw him. Disappeared. Totally yep. disappeared. And got away this with it. investigates four potential people who might be D.B. Cooper and who there's a lot of evidence suggesting they were D.B. Cooper, and we uh, go from there. So that's a great documentary as well. So, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Have yourself a merry little Christmas. We talked about that lady who got murdered more than we talked about Christmas. Jingle jangle, everybody. Felicia Rashad, <laughs> Forrest Whitaker. All right, so. Oh my God. Yes, it is time to move forward and talk actually into our show at all, 22 minutes in. Yep, yep. Yeah, let's get it done quickly today, huh, Mike? <laughs> Uh, let's hear about it in a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Now, uh, this one, I, I, I feel like you should pull it up and and uh, and read all of our comments from our dear friend Phoenix, of course, who has decided. Oh, I hear myself. Uh, who has decided to just go after the sports ball segment in a very profound <laughs> and hilarious way. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Let me see if I can um, pull them all up here. Okay, so there's quite a few. We really, um, yeah. he and I really have developed quite a, a pen pal ship through our YouTube uh, channel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in an accidentally antagonistic relationship with me, which is my favorite part. So he, he uh, on our episode five or episode season five episode ten friends and ex lovers Phoenix starts off by saying and this is the turning point when the podcast became watching Mike play PlayStation Five while whilst half listening to an episode of the practice, which was and, amazing because you were just playing last week. That's exactly what was happening, but you were just playing it in your head because it was sitting in a box next to you. It's like me sitting here. Staring at the the power supply, I'm about to unplug everything and try <laughs> out. I'm like, I'm doing a podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, I can plug this one and that one. It'll be so I was exciting. sitting amongst the boxes, 
So Phoenix goes, but you know what? Still better than a segment on 20-year-old sports. Then he goes on to comment on his own post and says, Mike opens the chicken wire that just arrived. Also better than a segment about 20-year-old sports. <laughs> Finally, I respond and going, like and subscribe, like and subscribe, LOL. I love my PS5, like a puppy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he responds, hey, Mike, what games did you get? And then we go off on a, a PS5 yeah. tangent for a bit. And then he responds again. Mike listens to the episode while he gets up to go pee, but forgets to mute his mic. Still, better segment than 20-year-old sports. <laughs> to which I reply, you know what? I'm an old man. And he goes, it's okay. I'm also an old man. Meanwhile, Keith is the oldest man. So- yeah, I, I clearly am, but I'm, I'm in for, he says, I'm only about three months away from being an old man. Are we going to have another big 40 coming up? Hmm, he Could is. be. Could he is be. one of and our. Uh, he is one of our uh, most. He is our uh, unofficial moderator. There's, there's a lot unofficial. of. He's he's moderating himself. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I have given a lot of thought to this, and I, uh, while I was walking around trying to figure out how I could amp up sports ball this week, <laughs> because because Phoenix, you should know, you should he know. Knows. The more you poke it, the bigger it gets, which got way dirtier than I intended to be, <laughs> to sound. Until you turn 40, in which case, no matter how much poking, <laughs> very little movement. The more you poke it, the more tired your finger gets. Yeah, and it just moves side to side. <laughs> like a dead caterpillar that you're trying to see if it's still with you. Oh, gross. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So, And we also heard from a new friend on Instagram, but she did not post it publicly, so I'm going to keep it between us. But it was a new friend who became a lawyer because oh. she watched the practice. I didn't Which is not the that. first person we've heard. Well, you know, it's none of your business. Was it a private message? It was a private message to Oops. Oh. But I think because I read it, uh, you didn't see the notification. Oh, okay. Anyway, so it is not the first person who has reached out saying that they uh, either went into the law or considered going into the law because of the practice. Okay. So there it is. All right. Let us move forward in our show and hop into the time machine into the date of, I can't find it. There it is. January 7th. January 7th, the year 2001. We are now into 2001 in January. It's, uh, it's crazy. We, we, we skipped the whole Christmas season. And now we're into the new year. And uh, we all want to know what was going on. This day in the basement. Oh, that's the wrong. Whoa, it's it's both segments at once. You want to mm-hmm. just, here <laughs> just we go. get through it. It's this time for the, the out of practice podcast. <laughs> this day. Um, yeah, well, this this was a cool. This was the uh, the last Christmas I spent or the only Christmas, I guess, I spent with my girlfriend at the time we break up. Uh, in the next month or two. Um, but, Keith, I prepared a photo for this because... Oh, nice. I, the Christmas season I remember with her, and after that, January 7th, the whole month of January, in fact, for the next few months, I'm... This is serious now. I, I have mentioned it before that I have a lot of trouble kind of piecing this period of time together. Now, 2001, things get a little clearer because I have some pictures and some some things happen, but this, from from two th- from January until about April, 
this is the experience I'm having. It's, I'm, mm. I cannot, it's not just like, it, it's a weird phenomena because I know what the feeling is of like having limited memories or, or I, things are fuzzy, but this is a period of time that is just a void. Like mm. sheer, you know, and I'm sure that it is a good deal of repression, I guess. Well, uh, you were going through some pretty serious trauma at the time. Some trauma and like sheer denial and and not the denial in where you don't believe something's happening. I think it's, I don't know what the word is for when you just don't want something to happen as much or you're trying to avoid it so much that you just kind of dissociate. And a lot of that was taking place. I don't, yeah. I think I was maybe taking a class, a computer class in Westchester. I was definitely hanging out with this girl a lot, um, which I think probably was a problem. I think she was like a little, I was probably very, my guess is I was very obsessive and like, uh, all-consuming. I think it was just a lot of lot to handle, a lot of grief. Um, anyway, so I know the holiday season was a little rough, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so it's so bear with me for the next few weeks until we get to uh, where I start remembering stuff. But that's January for me. Just a <laughs> just uh, leaves of memory blowing on a on a head. Bre- uh, this was a. I don't know what that is. Is that a tree? Yeah, a tree. Yeah, that's a cool image, and I and I think it really does like encapsulate that feeling because I have periods in my life that are, are very similar and it is very interesting to see how you just like decided not to record yeah that that period and I, it's understandable you know what one thing I will say and maybe it's I hope that it's it, it per, it's pervasive through our entire society I think it's at least moving in that direction is that Back then, I remember at least feeling like I couldn't talk to anybody about this stuff. Like, nope. And mm. and I was kind of my I should say my family is mostly my family. If I'm being if I'm being one hundred percent, sort of were not available emotionally. They're going through their own shit. But it, it always felt this grief and this trauma felt like a lot. Like it had to be kept inside. It was a big secret because because I wasn't functioning well in my day to day. I was a screw up. At least that was the feeling. I don't know. You know, I'm sure that that I don't know how to put it. But you were a kid doing the best you could through a really awful time. Like I don't think that makes you a screw up. I think it makes you makes you a kid going through a bad time. I agree with you. But I agree with like right now. That's an accept that we can have that conversation and people can give yeah. you that grace. I think it was less so even 20 years ago. And uh, I'm glad that there's been some progress. Or maybe it's just I've I've been able to accept that that wasn't the case. You know, yeah. maybe people weren't viewing me that way. Uh, well, I think it's, it's a little it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. And and because like the the world in general is much more accepting of um of mental health and and trauma and 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 caring about stuff like that. But that doesn't always apply directly to your immediate family. Right. Yeah. And you know, it I, I think within trauma, I at least I found it to be true that what is often worse what worse than the actual trauma is the lack of support around it. Yeah. And it's like, we are, we are very, especially with, with kids, but even, you know, young adults that the, we're very resilient. We can get through a lot of things, but if we don't get the help and support and resources to work through what's happening, that's when it becomes really, sort of cancerous and and very and and much more damaging 
And I know, you know, that I certainly, within my own family, I have, have a lot of stuff like that, where it's, if, if I'd gotten the support I needed in the moment, the things that still haunt me probably wouldn't. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, like, it, I'm more haunted by the lack of support than I am by the things themselves. And, uh, yeah, so I, I certainly, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I never went through the experience you went through then, but I certainly understand that feeling. What, um, well, and it was a waiting game at this point. That was the thing. It's like my, my dad doesn't right. actually die until May. And so in January, when mm. you knew it was kind of going in a direction, but you, it just wasn't, it was, it was tough. Anyway, yeah. we'll get more into that. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Well, we have some to look forward to for the yeah. season finale. Um, what about, <laughs> what about, how were you, how did you spend New Year's in January 2001 getting out of the Y2K? Well, it was not nearly so traumatic. Uh, although I, uh, there are two things. One, I think I uh, got this wrong last year. I think I might have screwed up my years, but I, throughout this holiday season, continued my tradition of the Christmas cop-out CDs. Hmm. And so, uh, as if you had not heard me talk about it before, uh, why are you skipping episodes? Uh, but uh, every year, for many years, instead of actually having thoughtful gifts for my friends and family, I chose the lazy narcissistic gift of giving them a CD of my shit. <laughs> Of what I was recording, and I would do this with my uh, with my two brothers. And this year was Christmas Cop Out Three, uh, which was actually technically the fourth year I did it, uh, but this is the third official one. And uh, what I found traumatic this uh, week was digging through it, trying to find something I wasn't horribly embarrassed to play. <laughs> <laughs> from Christmas Cop Out 3. And I have to tell you, and I this is probably time for me to talk to my therapist about it, but the <laughs> visceral anxiety and uh -huh. shame I felt going through these tracks was, it's so intense and so wildly unnecessary. But this is the first one where I put a lot of my own music on it. Uh, and so... There's a whole bunch of tracks from the first musical I wrote, which I started writing in college, which- So not the one you wrote with your friend, that was just a song, that was in high school. What's that? There was one you had played for us that you'd written with a, a female oh, friend of yours, oh, that's different. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, that, yes, that was the, the musical, that's true. I guess technically that would be the first musical I wrote on uh, in high school with my friends, but this was the first musical I wrote by myself. And it was an original story, original everything. And it is terrible. It is real bad. So bad. So I am embarrassed to even say the title of the musical. Okay. What about a plot uh, synopsis? What's that? What about a plot synopsis, maybe? Quick. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it was. It, th this was actually a period in my life where I was going through, uh, I know I've mentioned it before, but all of these bad experiences uh, with religious people. And, and how I was treated as a non-religious person in a world in which the people were very, very religious. And so this musical ended up being sort of like a primal, angry scream reaction to that feeling. It was bad. It was real, real bad. But anyway, so it, it's about the son of a televangelist 
who like tries to escape his family. Wow. And uh, but his family's like chasing him around and it that sounds much more interesting than it was. It was so so bad, but unfortunately most of uh, that score was documented on this album. And I'm not going to play any of it for you, but I will put a little There's track a little space in the way like of a I did some see. Stephen Sondheim. I was going to say, that's very Sondheim. Only way to see. It's one of my favorite songs. And when the, the woman that he wanted goes, well, you say to yourself, well, I give what I give. But the woman who won't wait for you knows that however you live, that's a great role for you. Oh, I this, uh, like this is finishing the hat from uh, Sunday in the Park with George, and that would George in Sunday in the Park is definitely one of my like top three roles I would love to play in my life. And of yeah, course, at I'd that point, I, I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I really well. liked it, but I didn't understand it. But now, now I actually understand that role. That's, that's sort of beautiful. What's beautiful about Sondheim in general, I think. Let's not go down this rabbit hole, but you age into Sondheim. Like you can love and respect and admire everything. Like from, you know, and you always, it's funny, you know, you always used to love Jack, right? And now you're like, oh, the Bakers, the that's the one, right? Right. Or all of it. You just age into it. It's it's pretty awesome. No, and and you understand it in different ways. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, it, it is sort of like unpeeling an onion. So that when I was 13 and listening to this album over and over and over again, I got parts of it. I really did. And it sort of drew me into the life of an artist. It drew me into that. I became interested in that. But his thoughts on the creation process of art and what that feels like and how isolating that can be and how that affects relationships. Like now I'm like, oh God, this is literally how I feel a lot as I you know, look out the window at life going by as I record a stupid podcast. You know what I do when I get really depressed? Like one of my things, and Sunday the Sunday always reminds me of this, is I'll go to a Staples or like a uh, like a really cool papery in the mall or something, and I'll just buy a blank journal because something mm. about having blank pages represents possibility and represents white. Yep, an open canvas. Uh, it's just so. Anyway, here we go. So this is yeah. a podcast about the practice. And we're getting Wait, back to what, it. What is it about? Uh, but what was happening? First, let's find out. Let's let's hear a little bit from Eric Moore, Eric William Morris. Yes, indeed. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. I think this is... This is when uh, we realize we should talk more, not on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the number one hit continued, even after the skip of December, to be Independent Woman by Destiny's Child. The local paper, once again, I forgot to look up. Look up. So something happened in January in Vermont. I bet it was snowing. So wait, but in the worldwide, like... We were still still the end of the Clinton era, and we are about to move into. Uh, we were first Bush, we were right? a couple weeks from W's inauguration. inauguration. The top movie was Castaway, a very Wilson uh, Wilson, a very rewatchable, enjoyable performance by Mr. Tom Hanks. And Thank remember you. the big remember the big like 
That was the first time that a movie had been basically unscored. Remember that? There was huge swaths of that movie that were unscored. Oh, yeah. It was a big deal. Was, it was good. It was it was really cool. And like Tom Hanks's physical transformation, I thought was very impressive there. No, I never saw behind the scenes on that. I, I would be interested in how that whole process worked. Well, he filmed the fat parts, and then like six months later, they filmed the, the skinny parts. This is actually a pretty good cover. Nicely done, Rini Music. All right. You know what it's time for. Phoenix's favorite segment. The greatest segment in the world. Oh, sports ball. My bumper, my thing disappeared. Oh, no. Oh, This no. is horrible. That's just depressing. But you know what? I'll put it on in post. Okay. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. The New York football giants took down future head coach Tom Coughlin and the Jacksonville Jaguars 28-25 at Giants Stadium, locking in the division title in the number one seed in the NFC with a 12-4 final record. Kerry Collins threw for 320 with one yards and two touchdowns. The Philadelphia Football Eagles were only one game back, finishing with an 11-5 record, finishing with a 16-7 win over the Bengals. The Giants secured a first-round bye while the Eagles were headed towards a wild-card matchup with Sean King and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two and this has been Sports Ball! <laughs> well done. Uh, <laughs> two things that stick out to me in Sports Ball there. One, remember Kerry Collins? Of course. Out of Penn, and out of Penn State, people thought he was going to be one of the greatest, and... Uh, he had a he had an okay career, but he never really reached the heights people expected from him. Well, when he was with the, he was drafted first overall by the Carolina Panthers, then had it all sort of blow up. His career sort of exploded. He had he had like a, a problem with a teammate and a racist comment or something like that. Got traded to New Orleans with with a Ricky Williams and Mike Ditka mm -hmm. for half of a season before rebooting his career with the Giants. He was actually very good with the Giants, like. He took us to the Super Bowl and and uh, had a, had several good seasons. But yeah, Kerry Collins, interesting career. More importantly, to kind of just highlight for you the shit show that is 2020. Back then, yeah. back then that wasn't well 20 years ago. The yeah. Eagles didn't quite make it. Uh, they had to go through the, the wild card to get into the playoffs at 11 and five. Eagles yeah. sit with quite a shittier record. What are we? Three and seven? Two and seven? Three seven and uh, one? Three, seven, and one. Uh, and share first place with the New York football giants. No, in the NFC East. You, are you are half a game behind the New York football. We are four and seven. Oh. We are first place. Wow. We, are, well, we have a chance to be the worst division winner in NFL history. So there you have it. We'll see if Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles uh, can do better this week. But nonetheless. Nonetheless, it is now time for... No, it's not. You know, you know. It's not time for that. All right. If you're not going to do weather, you need a new segment. I know. I, I, because I, I, I do sports ball. You have to do a segment here. Well, we did back in time true crime earlier. So we did. Counts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. I just we just need to do the show not on Mondays. <laughs> oh, is that, is that the problem? No, well, no, no. We, we're going to get back in the swing. But that's gotta, the last possible second. Like that. This gives you more time to do the it, weather. I know. I was. I spent that time shoving food and pie in my face. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I I uh, I made pie from scratch for the first time. Nice. And Jillian made an amazing tofurkey. Ooh, tofurkey. It was uh, yeah. It was actually way better than you think. 
All right. But that's a not a high being. bar to clear. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, we are finally 44 minutes into our conversation going to talk about the damn episode. And that is the practice season five, episode 11, entitled An Early Frost. This was written by series creator David E. Kelly and directed by a first-time director, not just with the practice, but ever, with Christina wow. Musri. This is the first time she's ever directed on television. She will direct several more episodes of The Practice, but that will be the only thing she ever directs. I wonder if she got in and then was like, this isn't for me, or if she was like a friend of somebody. or something. Must well, be. There's, there's what a story. She, she's a producer. Primarily. So she was she was a producer on The Practice and L.A. Law. But again, that was the only those were the only two credits that she had. So she was a she was a, a high powered producer on both of these shows, directed multiple episodes. But that but she she chose to do other things. I also find it interesting that this far into a, a, a fairly popular series, we haven't seen any of our star, our cast, our, our main stars produce mm. associate producing or directing episodes usually you see that by this point yeah that is interesting and and certainly as a star trek nerd you're seeing the cast constantly directing the episodes uh yeah well be very interesting to see uh whether that continues but first we must ask the eternal question what is that supposed to mean What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Mm. Shocker, Bruce Davidson needs a defense attorney still. And even though Bobby and the team uh, the partners voted that he shouldn't take the case, correct? Yeah. Bobby has been outvoted. Uh, I think he's going to do it anyway, Keith. I don't know how, that, but I think he's going to do it. That's your big swing? That, yeah, no, right, it's not let, my big let, swing. Let's get the big swing. Let's do this. We've also got the problem of the puppy in the drawer uh, mm -hmm. as the torment of Lindsay continues from Mr. Hinks. And I think it's going to be too much, Keith. I think it's too much... Uh, she's going to de demand that Bobby help her. Uh, Bobby's going to be a little bit too consumed. And so, after building such a redemption arc, Helen Gamble is going to uh, invite Mr. Hinks to a meeting uh, to discuss some things over some lemonade. You'll notice uh, some lemonade with some nice ice. Mm -hmm, and uh, mm -hmm. Keith, indirectly or directly, Helen Gamble is going to lead to her second murder. And it's Mr. Hinks. Ooh, all right. The big swing is Helen kills Hinks. Helen kills Hinks. I mean, she's already threatened to do it. So it 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 stands to reason. It's not an unreasonable uh, swing there. <laughs> I'm, I, I, somebody's going to kill Hinks. Hinks is going to die. Hinks is going to die. Okay, that is a big swing. All right. There it is, folks. Now, it is time. If you are watching this on the YouTubes, to switch over to your podcasting service of choice. If you're just listening to us, don't do anything. Soon mm -hmm. we're going to move on and talk about the episode. 
It won't even be an ad to, to worry about. To be no, honest. nobody wants to advertise with us. <laughs> if one person's talking to us on YouTube. No advertisers give a damn. This podcast was made for you, except it's seven hours long. So, you know. We have tens of listeners. <laughs> Here's the episode. <laughs> Sports ball. Season five, episode 11, an early frost. Oh my God, that frost is so early. It's nighttime when in Boston. When you're 40 and old, your uh, frost you're comes a little first. early, you know what I'm saying? You also might be batting cleaner. If it comes at all. Okay. I'll basically Gross. just be asking you what you saw. Contrary to popular Should belief, I, I do that? not supply the answers of my witnesses. <laughs> No, I think you have to sit there and think about what you did. You do realize the lawyer who will cross-examine you will try to leave you in the shape of a pretzel. How long do you figure to keep me up there? Uh, It should be pretty short. Jimmy and Richard Bay are all there. I'm assuming you have no conflict and you'll continue to give a truthful account. Of course I have a conflict. Jimmy is a witness for the My boss is opposing counsel. I'll be testifying against a former client. In my life, I'll probably never know a bigger professional conflict. I'm right there. But you're prepared yep. to tell the truth. That's why I'm here. Which makes no sense. Okay. Zero sense. Why have again, you seen you might know Bobby Donald. Meeting. You might be friends with him. But being cross-examined by him is a different experience. When you might not Richard, be. I can handle Bobby. Richard, we're going to give some awkward exposition. Because both of these characters definitely already know all that information. Bobby. Forget it. It's too late now anyway. We start tomorrow. Let you me got do outvoted. It, Eugene, How is it the only reason the judge signed off on the conflict is because of the unique trust that Scott shares with me. This firm. No, me. This could splinter us. Jimmy, Eleanor. We've been through it. Well, for Scott Wallace's sake, then. You've been erratic. I'm your friend, Bobby. I'm your partner. Trust me when I tell you you're in no emotional shape to be trying this case. We've covered I these beats. I am trying this case. End of discussion, Eugene. Mm. Uh. We've done it before, and then you just sort of like, nah, you know, you know what, never mind. Uh, let's have Bobby do it after all. Yeah, but you know what? It's first rule of every partner's meeting at a law firm. You got to establish no take backsies, and they didn't do that. That's right, yeah. That's I an mean, oversight Bobby on... gets two votes, mm-hmm. but he's, that he did not have enough votes to overrule the rest of the firm. So I don't know why this is happening. What's mm. happening? He's Bobby McVito. He's, he's Bobby McRamboing the case. Try and stop me, motherfuckers! And they had to like take a, that whole first pre, pre-roll scene to establish that we're going to take back see the vote we had. Right. Like, why even show it? That? That's, it's very odd. Super retcon is what it was. But they didn't even retcon it. They like, they like pointed out. The decision to even allow Bobby Donald to represent Scott Wallace in this case has drawn considerable fire from judges, prosecutors, and defense lawyers alike. There's insanity here. It comes from Mr. Donald and Judge Michelson. The idea that a lawyer acts as defense counsel where two lawyers from his own firm are primary witnesses, it's ludicrous. That's Blair Bass on TV. We've seen him before. Yeah. She just left the clerk. Even Lucy's pissed at him. No, I would be. This is a mess. Well said. What? We shouldn't go over together because we're... As Keith and I, and and everybody else is being cool. Like, Bobby's being a little antagonistic towards them. 
and they're trying to still be friendly with him. And what I think is really crazy here is that, not crazy, what I think is uh, straining credulity is we still don't know why Bobby's so obsessed with this. We, You know what I mean? Right. Like, they just haven't explained it. Are they going to explain it, Keith? I, you know, on opposite if you uh, listen, if you missed Jimmy, it last week, promise. I did a pretty big rant no hard about feelings. this. In, How many uh, times are you going to say that? The oopsies. Well, I will have to go after you. I understand that, Bobby. And I'll get you. I'll embarrass you. What Do you understand that? What's this? One of your intimidation tricks? Yeah, plan I'm not B, trying Jim. to intimidate. I just don't want this trial to jeopardize our friendship. Bobby, so if you gave a rat's ass it. about our friendship, you wouldn't be on this case. All right. Agreed. No, let's all be honest. My involvement here is mandatory, just like Eleanor's. We're material witnesses. The only one with a choice is you. I didn't choose. Scott Wallace can't really place to trust yeah, another yeah. attorney. Look at you guys. Jimmy bingo it. You're then. already at each other's throats. I'm not at anybody's throat. I'm just saying, Jimmy, what I do in that room is purely professional. So please don't take it personally. Donna Young Dole. In front. When? Well, is she okay? Somebody's been attacked. Yeah, I'll, I'll let her know. Thank you. Jeannie Reynolds had a heart attack. Jeannie what? Reynolds, because I can She's see you're ER not remembering, is Hinks' therapist? therapist. She had a heart attack because something scared the shit out of her, Keith, is my guess. Dr. Hoffman Does she believe now? Is she okay? They don't know yet. Lucy Hatcher, this is Jeannie's mother, Marianne. She was supposed to drive me to the airport this morning. Jeannie's mother, Marianne! The skipper, too. This catch that? Is... That's a, that a Gilligan's Island reference, Keith. It's a pretty deep comedian cut. I, I, I couldn't hear it because of oh, all I... the nonsense on my end, but I'm sure it was hilarious. Okay, Meanwhile. I wouldn't explain it. <laughs> this is Nancy Linehan Charles from Bram Stoker's Dracula, Minority Report, Huff, Avenue 43, and Young Sheldon. And she looks super familiar to me. I had to ask Jillian if we, if she was like somebody that we knew. We have decided we do not. Joe, I couldn't get her by phone, so I went over to her apartment. She was just lying on the bed, and she wasn't breathing. Did they get a pulse? The paramedics i think they got something yeah i don't even know how long she was lying there had she had any heart problems no she's in her 30s for god's sake what 30 year old has a heart attack <laughs> someone who was scared by mr hanks so they killed her off off screen we were trying one last time to negotiate a settlement Mr. Duval was also a friend of Scott Wallace, so we figured it was worth a try. Can you describe what transpired at the meeting, Mr. Berluti? Well, Mr. Duval told Scott he would not rehire him, and Scott began to get upset. He felt particularly betrayed by Mr. Duval since they were friends. Scott, he claimed his life was ruined and that Mr. Duval was the first to abandon him. Then, suddenly, he's pulled a gun, and he looks oh, for a second go. like he's going to kill himself. He even we pointed the gun at himself. The black and, and then what happened? Back. We well, all were there Mr. Before. Duval started to try to talk him out of it. He said suicide wasn't the answer. And Scott, he said something like, you're right. 
and he turned the gun and he pointed it right at Mr. Duvall. Okay, so these are these black and white flashbacks are usually pretty terrible, but this one was extra terrible because as Jimmy is giving the recount of what dialogue was said, they like timed it so that it matched Bruce Davidson's lips. So when Jimmy was like, you're right, it Bruce was 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 mouthing it. It it was just extra cheese ball. Well, and because like it's all just recycled footage from, from two last episodes episode. Ago? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, hold on. I have a conspiracy theory. Okay. So I think there was a big break mm. between filming this episode and the previous episode. And it aired about a month later. They took yeah. it, they did reruns for a month. And a couple of things have happened. One, they killed off uh Rebecca Kreskoff because she got Hinks another job. therapist off screen, mm-hmm. which is an odd thing to do. Why would you kill her off screen? And they had Bobby decide to do the case after all, after they'd clearly decided that he wasn't going to do it. So I think during the break between filming, they had a meeting where like, hold on, we have to read, we have to adjust some of these storylines. Let's go in a different direction than we were setting up. And I think, like you said, sort of retconned some of this stuff. And it feels like an awkward, like they got some notes from the network and decided to rewrite some of these storylines between these two episodes. Actually, I think that's a really salient point for you to bring up because in our little weird experiment here, yes, I'm watching in quote-unquote real time as a series airs, but I'm not privy. Well, I mean, we we it's it's good information because, like, as you said, these didn't air back-to-back. It's weird, super right. weird if it did, but that extra bit of time does allow us to kind of forgive some of that production because, A, your audience will need a bit of a refresher because if they've right. been watching reruns or they've just been holidaying. So, you know, some of that exposition up top makes a little more sense. Yep. Uh, yep. Additionally... You know, things can happen in a month, and I'm sure that maybe therapist got a job or got another gig or something came up and couldn't, so they had to kind of write her out. And uh, they were like, it's going to be, although you, you would think they'd have scripts kind of ahead of it. It's still weird that they put Bobby back into the case, but I guess they were like, we have to see this through now. Well, I, I think Bruce Davidson refused to give David E. Kelly back his dog until mm-hmm. he got another episode. I think that's probably what happened. He thought he was going to get the dog back for Christmas, and he was like, no, you have to keep keep me in. Once again, are they purposely trying to, like, we love Lindsay. There's nothing not to love about Lindsay. And it, it's hard to, as a viewer to be like, why would she be, he is so, it, he's so erratic. Coming at his buddies and stuff? Come on. Can you describe Mr. Wallace's demeanor at this point? If he well, planned... Plan B's Jimmy. He was angry. I'm, I'm going to That admit. was the thing. He wasn't like in despair. Objection, foundation. Overruled. Go ahead, sir. He also, he wasn't talking crazy. He was actually the giving these clever Same little answers. What do you mean? Uh, well, when he had the gun on himself. I wrote it down. Mr. Duval said. Hearsay. Overruled. He said suicide's Robert not David answer. Hall. And Scott, he said, how would you know? Uh, for the record, Rebecca is sitting second chair with Bobby. No, Harry. She gets to be the last time you killed yourself. It didn't work out. And then, after he shot him, he turned to Eleanor Frud and me, all calm, and he said, "Bet you're glad I ran out of bullets, huh?" From your observation, was this man acting in conscious control? Objection, foundation. I'm asking a lay opinion of somebody who was in the room. I'll allow it. 
when he fired that gun and killed Harry Duvall, did he appear to be in control of himself? In my lay opinion, this was not a man who snapped. I think he only pointed the gun at himself to make it seem like he was out of control. But when he shot Harry Duvall, to me, it looked like an ice-cold execution. So I want to insert, just to play devil's advocate. Okay. The only thing I can come up with as far as this being a good idea, and they haven't even shown this strategy, but I will say this. If I'm on the face of it, the fact that Bobby not only has two of his friends as material witnesses for the prosecution, but additionally, thus far, every time Bobby's spoken about this, and I imagine in his clothes, we haven't seen him litigate quite yet, he gets very emotional, very passionate. The news has obviously been saying how crazy it is they're letting Bobby try this. That's right. obviously going to be prejudicial to the jury. If they're making a Hail Mary for a future appeal, since it's pretty clear what happened here, then maybe that is helped by the fact that they can argue, well, even the judge allowed Bobby. It wasn't just Bobby agreed to do it. The judge allowed it. They've got maybe grounds for future appeal. That's all I can come up with. So they're, they're laying the grounds for ineffective assistance of counsel on themselves? Yes. Interesting. Well, I, you know, from a storytelling perspective, you know, if I'm if I'm writing this, it is dramatic and interesting to have your main characters on the opposite side of a case like this. And it is interesting to have a character insisting on doing a case that doesn't make any sense. And so I get why we're doing all of this. It's just it was very inelegantly set up. So we don't know why. Everyone That's the thing, and you spoke this. about it in your rant. It would be it would be interesting and compelling if we as the audience knew either what Bobby knows that makes him so adamant about Bruce Davidson and his uh, mental state, or right. we know that Bobby knows something. We might not be privy to it, right? but we're aware. But right now, it just seems like Bobby's a little unhinged. So It, 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 it doesn't even like seem... It doesn't even seem that Bobby is unhinged. It seems like Bobby is being poorly written, which is my biggest beef here, is that it doesn't, the the character is just, you, a character's motivations don't have to make sense, but the writer's motivations for that character have to make sense. And I'm well, not sure we've reached that bar. There you go. Call a spader a spader. <laughs> Boo. So Ken Lindsay Kelly, and Lucy. Already, he's writing Bobby out of the show before Bobby even knew it. Before Dylan even knew it. I'm sorry. The coronary was just too massive. Oh, God. <laughs> Please. Oh, spoiler alert, oh, no. she died. Yeah, thanks, Keith. <laughs> she died of... You're sure it was a coronary? Yes. Something's hinky here. See what you did there. Mister. Comedian? Okay, here comes the showdown. You don't have any psychiatric training, do you, Jimmy? No, I do not. I said it was in my lay opinion. What was going through your head when Mr. Wallace first pulled out that gun? At first, when he put the gun to his head, I thought he was going to kill himself. Did you try to stop him? Did I try to stop him? Yes. 
Did you do anything? No, I think I kind of froze. You froze? Did you say anything? I don't really remember if I said anything or not. You don't really remember. You remember things Mr. Wallace said, but you don't remember what you said. I don't remember saying anything. Does that mean you didn't say anything? Or if you did, you just don't remember? I didn't say anything. Why not? Your own client was apparently about to take his life. You didn't even try to dissuade him? I think I was a little in... I was surprised. You were about to say you were in shock, weren't you? I wasn't in shock. I was caught by surprise. Why didn't you do anything, Jimmy? You could have said something. You could have tried to restrain Mr. Wallace. You could have left the room. Instead, you did nothing. Rebecca the man had disgusted. a gun. I wasn't going to rush him. Why? Were you in fear for your own life? A little, sure. So you were in fear when all this happened? Yes. Ever been shot yourself, Jimmy? At the end yes. of season two? Objection relevance. I'm attempting to show this witness was in shock. Or he had three, previously been a shooting victim himself when he saw the gun. Now he's testifying. That objection is sustained. The first one is overruled. Where were you shot, Jimmy? My midsection. You almost died, didn't you? That had nothing to you do with... You almost died. Yes. In fact, you still have nightmares over being shot, don't you? Yes. Ever sought therapy for that? No. Keith, I wrote a new bumper. Ooh, let's hear it. Well, I'm going to give it the full treatment. Hold on. It deserves ooh, it. Ooh. Oh wow! This is a this is a real moment here. We have a spontaneous bumper. It might be the first spontaneous, at least orchestrated, bumper we've ever had on the show. Now Mike is putting his headset back on. It is time to find out what the bumper is. Bobby is an <laughs> that was really good. That that felt very Duncan chic. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, we we should or you should cut that out and send it to me. I'll actually use it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I don't look. Justify it all you want. The here's the clear cut answer. Bobby's an asshole. Yeah. Like it. Well, and he's an asshole because we're not explaining his motivations. Yeah. Jimmy's no. his friend who got Talk shot. Talk about he's, your nightmares with family that. or close friends. No. You get For some shot. some dude we don't even know, you even though he's been on the whole season. You have reoccurring dreams. You don't talk about it with anybody? No. Why not? There's no need to. It's something I can deal with myself. It's something you can deal with yourself. And if somebody were to pull out a gun in front of you today, you don't think your powers of observation would be at all compromised by your own personal history? No, I do not. When somebody goes to kill themselves or somebody else, it's your normal, clear-headed reaction to neither do anything nor say anything? It's how I reacted in this situation. Yes. Tell me, Jimmy, since all this happened, do you have nightmares thinking maybe if you had done something or said something, Harry Duvall might still be alive? Ah, but I gotta Have you been it. haunted at all by that, Jimmy? No. Let another man Objection. be killed. Objection. Relevance. You were in shock. <laughs> Thank you. you, Jimmy. There's no, no way this would not. be allowed. No. And it really doesn't bother you that you didn't do anything? Objection. How was that wrong? part of any of this? So you want to catch lunch afterwards, Jimmy? Nothing further. Mike, I think we need that bumper again. Because what the fuck? Because what the fuck, Bobby? Bobby. Oh, 
Thank you. Thank you. I thought that was, uh, it was necessary because he's, because the relevance here, right? We're, he is there to say what Bruce Davidson did. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, we're not here to put Jimmy on trial for what he did in that situation. Or didn't What he do, did right. has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about and no relevance whatsoever. And I see what Bobby's trying to do. He's trying to say that we can't trust what Jimmy is saying about what Bruce Davidson did because he's was traumatized or something like that. But what Jimmy did as a result of that, why didn't you save my friend, is completely irrelevant to this case. And I can't believe the judge would have allowed that. Uh, well, here's what Mike and Deglio like to say. Mm. Okay, so you maybe steamroll Jimmy there. You're going to do that to Eleanor? You show me how the fuck you're going to steamroll Eleanor because she ain't going to take that kind of shit. Jimmy held his composure, but like I would, I would fear going to work tomorrow if you try that shit with Eleanor. Oh, 100%. Although, if you remember from last episode, Eleanor had a very different take on what happened. Well, I can't wait to hear it. All right. Rebecca D. is not pleased with Bobby right now. I think that's been evident from her incredible facial acting since she doesn't have any lines. Doesn't get to have lines. We decide to give Bruce Davidson her part in this season. It was not a heart attack. Lindsay. I don't Ray care what the doctor so. said. A woman in her 30s doesn't just suddenly turn up dead. It was William Hanks. I know it. What, he scared her into having a coronary? Did you check for toxins? If she was poisoned, Lindsay, at least order an autopsy. The mother is resisting that without some evidence of foul play. Michael, she was treating a serial this killer. This wouldn't fit his pattern. I know, but don't you think it's a bit of a coincidence? Lindsay. I know he did it. Not going to be helpful. He killed her. I'll tell you what. We'll dust her apartment, search it as if it were a crime scene. What about the autopsy? You'll have to get the family to agree to that. I completely disagree with Mr. Rudy's account. Trying to save herself from a serial killer. Well, from my observation, Scott Wallace is extremely erratic. Though I am no psychologist, I believe he was going to take his own life, and then he suddenly turned the gun on Mr. Duvall. Could you describe his behavior physically? Yes, he was trembling, shaking. His eyes were closed when he had the gun up to his own head. And then he started to rock up and down slightly on the balls of his feet. And what did you do at this point? Well, I tried to stop him, reason with him, but he just screamed at me and told me to shut up. I mean, he screamed it at me like he was some kind of a madman. And when he turned the gun on Mr. Duvall? His eyes had this blank, foreign look. I think mentally he was gone at that point. Eleanor, what about Jimmy Berluti's behavior? That seemed very odd as well. How so? He just sat there. When Scott pulled out the gun, we all jumped up, except for Jimmy. He just... Do you recall if they made it a point to show us Jimmy's response when that scene happened? I've watched it in like the previously on three times, but I, I don't I, recall. They, they did. I, I did not clock it as abnormal. But it seems I, like I think... they're really trying to shove that in here. I don't know if they had pre-planned it or... Was I, an well, that's that's another good question, but... Certainly, they had they had to come at Jimmy for something, because Jimmy was saying he did there, it on purpose. Frozen, like he was catatonic. I think he went into shock. Erratic, madman, catatonic, shock. A lot of clinical buzzwords. I said I was no psychologist. I testified as to what I saw. In addition to being a witness, Scott Wallace is also your client. Former client. Well, so Eleanor... Could- a prosecute, 
prosecution witness here still? Uh, no, she's she's a defense witness. She's okay, on so, Bobby's side. Okay. Continues to be a client of your firm. It doesn't compromise the truth of my testimony. Could you respond to my question? I'm responding to your implication. Yes or no? Scott Wallace is a client of your law firm. Yes. And you personally have been his lawyer. Yes. And Bobby Donnell is the senior partner of your law firm. Yes. Very well done by Bay there. This man is ingenious. I just can't rule out the idea so that So they're saying temporary insanity, not guilty. The doctors have been able That's to right. tell that? Yes, with an autopsy. On the face of it, there doesn't seem to be any foul play, but I just... The idea of cutting her up... This man is meticulous. If, if my 30-something-year-old daughter died, I definitely want an autopsy. Keith, do you give me Mrs. permission Reynolds, to order an autopsy if that you die with even remote suspicious causes? She was killed. Sure. An autopsy could but be done I, can I probably the be, autopsy myself? Maybe two. Sure. But I, I, I think the, the cause of my suspicious death would be you murdering me because I can't wipe myself. So I, th I don't think we'd need an uh, autopsy. Oh, shit. Oh, Hinks is there in the hospital. Just sitting there being all Hinksy. Yo, Lindsay is giving him the Certainly fucking you skin can't guy. expect that restraining order to apply here. I heard that Dr. Reynolds had a medical emergency. I came down. <laughs> He's fucking I had no way good, of knowing man. you'd be present. He can do so much with so little. That hurt my what? feelings. Did you kill her? In that you ask me such a question within earshot of others? I have a cause of action for slander. Why don't you sue me? What a delightful idea. Be tough to enforce that restraining order then, wouldn't it? With us inextricably embroiled in a lawsuit together. Why couldn't we have a nine episode By arc the way, of Hinks? Right? I don't poison. I cut off heads. How did he know poison? How did he know she was poisoned, Keith? Good question. Although I think she accused him of it. That's the man I think killed your daughter. Please request the autopsy. What's great about him is that he's unassuming and unintimidating, he Actually, and he doesn't make the eyes in control. Right. But the one flick of those eyes, and he is what? terrifying. Why, Jimmy? He didn't have me for lunch. I I'm just trying to be optimistic about the case. I thought he did terrible. He strayed so far off course with me. He looked desperate. You could be right. He didn't have you me did. for lunch. Let's go back in. Jimmy's still friends, right? You didn't touch me. Fuck you. All that crap about me getting shot and how it affected. That was stupid, Bobby. You think a jury's going to fall for that? It was desperate. Except the writing now, David Kelly is making you seem erratic. What are you doing here? Like it, like it rattles. Just checking in. You need anything? Nope. Like David's on Bobby's side. Come on, man. It's odd. Yes, it is. 
It's also, which hold is, on. Which is why I hold to my conspiracy theory that Bruce Davidson kidnapped David E. Kelly's dog. And we're only halfway through the season, right? This is almost exactly halfway point. Right. So, like, at least they're setting up, they're setting up a great rift, you know what I mean, in, in the firm. So that's, I mean, that, from a zoomed out perspective, is pretty interesting. Yeah, if they follow through with it. They've been known to change course. So. When he started, uh, <laughs> yeah. when he said I could have could have my job back, so Bruce, I just felt the blood rush to... Main cast member, not in the opening credits, Bruce Davidson, on the stand. On the stand. Keith, remind me of what the actual character's name is. I forget all the time. William... Uh, who, who cares? Well, <laughs> probably the eight people who listen to our podcast. <laughs> uh... Though they it, know the answer. They know the answer. Scott Wallace. Scott, Scott Wallace. Wallace. Just to, did he, he could pity me after that. The gun was in your briefcase. Why did you put a gun in your briefcase that day? Yeah, well, many reasons. You walk around with a holster, people look at you funny. Scott, we need for you to be serious. Well, serious is working less well for me. When you packed the gun in your briefcase, in did you fairness, plan on killing is... Harry Duvall? No. Clearly at the end of his no, rope. I planned to kill yeah. myself. Or a stranger. Yeah. A stranger? When uh, I first put it in the briefcase, I, I thought I'm going to kill somebody. Probably just somebody I passed on the street. Why? Why not? I mean, why? I... What happened to me was uh, I lived my whole life like, you know, don't drink and drive, work hard at school and be good to your parents. I jumped through all the right hoops, you know, and it doesn't matter. It's true. Does yeah, it? Yes. You know, it's also arbitrary. This is his best performance. Well, I picked up I think. a gun and I wanted the power. I thought it'd be, you know, stranger. I thought maybe I'd right there in the street and boom and uh, I'd look in his eyes and I'd see that why me look in somebody else's so you thought you'd kill a stranger I don't know I thought probably just myself you know and when you pulled the gun out wait I have another conspiracy theory uh Dylan McDermott Definitely went someplace warm for the holidays because he is rocking a pretty <laughs> yeah. deep tan for December in Boston. Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take ya. Because Bobby's sunburn in Boston tried to in be a hero. January. I didn't want him to think that. I didn't want him to strut with the idea that he was a good friend. And uh, I just felt hot. Also, sorry, listeners, just deal with it. Uh, if your whole thing is temporary insanity in that moment, all of this premeditation, I'm putting my gun into my briefcase, I'm going to kill someone, maybe myself, maybe a stranger, that that doesn't show some sort, that that you, so he was temporarily insane all day? Is that it's, what they're saying? And him, him looking clearly insane right now, so it's a, it, we're having a very loose definition of temporary. Of temporary. <laughs> And uh, next thing I know, we both he, reached both. He was reached recoiling both like the he'd gun. been shot, and then I realized <laughs> he was shot, and that I was the one that shot him. Just laser sounds. That's not how you make laser sounds. But guess what? 
we now have a new bumper for when shots are fired. <laughs> Keith, could you overlay the laser sounds effect on that as well? Uh, technically, yeah. I, I think you should always do it. So like, okay. zing. Oh, that sounded very <laughs> moist. Gross. Very moist. <laughs> Nobody moved. I think we were all glad he didn't have his gun up there on the stand. Did Bay cross? Uh, tomorrow morning. So Bobby's been okay. You weren't there, he's Eugene? Been perfect. He's focused. So what's he doing now? Oh, he's in there with the shrinks, which I should probably be too. Ray Abruzzo's walked in. Okay, Lindsay, you were right. She's poisoned. What? She was injected with liquid nicotine. It simulated all the conditions of a heart attack. We've searched she her. She got injected with vape juice. And we're running the DNA analysis as we speak. Also very moist. Hmm. So she was murdered. She was murdered. Damn, I predicted a murder, just a wrong one. Hinks I'm is fine, gonna last. Bobby. Don't keep telling me that. The guy. Gotta... I still predict Hinks ends up dead eventually. Maybe not this episode. Guard outside and they're picking okay, Hinks fair up. Enough. Until they pick him up, the guard goes with you everywhere. I would like one too. Oh, now we get I a mean, guard. The guy's got my address. And oh, yeah. Now you finally give a shit attacked. about the serial killer trying to too. kill your wife. Bobby, we gotta get going. Come on. Everywhere you go. Oh, man. Maybe Lindsay will fall in love with the guard. She Very should at Jimmy. this point. Although if we're playing by West Wing rules, you know what that means. Yeah, he's gonna nat too. But like a thousand percent, Lindsay, like, Bobby's an asshole. Mine's better. It's Jimmy, way better. You do seem to be taking this personally. He made it personal, Eleanor. He Absolutely. was defending his client. My personal history has nothing to do with this case, and you know it. Well, actually... I mean, Bobby did, however, give him the... He did tell me he was going to play and beat him up and down. Well, but as, as Jimmy pointed out earlier in the episode, I think really well, Jimmy has no, cho no choice but to be on that stand. He's a material witness. But Bobby has the choice whether or not to mm -hmm. be that lawyer. In fact, everyone in the entire planet including his own firm, who apparently forgot that they barred him from doing it, is telling Bobby, don't do this. So anything that happens as a result of Bobby representing this guy is on Bobby. That's although it just reminds me of like when a friend or a family member says to you, hey, no offense, but you know that what's about to follow that but is offensive. <laughs> You're probably going to take offense to it. You can't well, just like ward it off. It's the same thing as in like, Look, I'm not racist, but... But... <laughs> I don't know it. I think Bobby raised a legitimate question. I don't want to talk about it, all right? Yes, and you're not wanting to talk about it. Go straight to the question. Hey, Eleanor, I don't like this color on her either. Your testimony was very powerful, Mr. Wallace. Glad you liked it. I aim to please. And, of course, to shoot. Yes, I think I was most struck by your anger. You're a very angry man, aren't you, Mr. Wallace? You seem to have a firm... Guys, if you haven't, can't tell, Team uh, Mike and Deglu and Keith Varney, the Out of Practice podcast, are officially Team Richard Bay for the first time, I think? It's, uh, it's a rare one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you have it. Definitely. Mm, grasp of the obvious. How does, uh, 
yes. Richard, uh, how does and what's Bruce also Davidson obvious make his face is so red You just happened to shoot the person you were most Cold angry breath. at. What a coincidence. Objection. Overruled. How'd you get to the meeting that evening, Mr. Wallace? I drove. Stop for all the traffic lights on the way over? I don't remember. Any accidents or incidents on the way to Mr. Donald's office? No. You were dressed how? I wore a suit. On time for the meeting? Yes. If the meeting had gone well and Mr. Duvall had given you your job back, think you would have shot him? Objection. Speculation. Sustained. Are you remorseful, sir, for shooting Mr. Duvall? You know Sarah Duvall, Harry's wife, sitting right over here. You know his three children. You've just sat up here talking about shooting a husband, a father of three. You've talked about killing him with all this righteous indignation. Look at them, Mr. Wallace, Way and tell them how powerful it made you feel to be arbitrary. Should we object? No. Just explain to them how unfair life has been to you. I am sure they'll understand. Maybe you could even give them some advice. Tell them they'll feel better if they just go out and shoot somebody themselves. Not a lot I of questions like talking there. anymore. I'm not gonna talk. I'm not gonna talk. You're going to talk. Oh, I have something to say, Detective, but it'll be to the judge when Good I file yeah. a claim for cool. harassment, false imprisonment. Incidentally, will this be the last arrest, or can I expect others? I want to know where you were two nights ago. I believe I was home alone watching Taxi. You think that's funny, William? I find humor is all about knowing your audience. While the joke could be lost on you, I'm sure Lindsay is about to find herself in stitches. You don't think I know you come in to watch? He's giving me so much Hannibal Lecter, man. Oh, for sure. People always know when they're being watched, Lindsay. You of all people should know that. Yo, he is enjoying how much he's freaking her the fuck out. Well, that's his whole thing. I can't hold him. What do you mean? I've he... got no evidence, Lindsay. The man... DNA didn't check out. It was somebody else's hair. You already know? We can't place him at the scene. There's nothing to hold him with. Unless he of planted course not. He's not stupid enough just... to get caught that way. Yes, but one thing they have not done in any of these episodes yet, with all of this very reasonable suspicion, is put a fucking tail on him. All of this is happening clearly within the f a few weeks. You're telling me they can't spare one dude to tail this guy? They would have found he's murdered somebody. Well, it's tough. I mean, like, whether they f are legally allowed to spend a lot of resources on somebody who's been exonerated. I don't like I don't I don't know but like certainly I'd want to keep an eye on him. Starting to happen now. Maybe he did, but we have nothing to implicate him. You're the DA, give me some advice here. Because clearly he's so He's walking back out. He basically told me that I'm next. Intends to kill out he her goes. at some point. Yeah. Oh, Helen's looking pissed. Helen's looking like she might take matters into her own hands. All oh. What like is somebody's big swing. The they can't hold him on that. Put Helen on. How overt do they have to be? 
Well, how long do we wait, Helen, till Lindsay... Don't tell me to calm down and don't tell me there's nothing you can do. Go out and plant some evidence if you yeah, have. Bobby's been police. at 11 Bobby. this whole episode and he's he's sustaining it. Good for good for Dylan. <laughs> he must be exhausted after this season. Lucy, call Alan Neal. Get him in my office this afternoon. Tell him it's an emergency. In all seriousness, especially this scene, take, take a peek if you uh, go back and watch the episode. It's about uh, 27 minutes in. Acting phone calls is one of the hardest things. It's absolutely just terrible. When you're on set, it's just like you feel like such an asshole because there's nobody on the other line. But Bobby just had like, a, he's got a few back to back and he's he's nailing it, Dylan. Yeah, well, I should point out that you have they several tanks. phone calls no on evidence. your television series, oh, wait, 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 The Naturals. Wait, wait, wait. Are you okay? Check it out on the YouTubes. I can do direct on Murphy. I can do it. Well, okay, then take a breath. I can. Take a breath. You can't just judge his sanity by the single act of the crime. You need Santa to consider Claus? his whole psychiatric database. This what is does that Peter mean? Michael Getz Basically back as Dr. Murphy. prior mental history. He'd been experiencing deep clinical depression. He'd been exhibiting symptoms of psychosis, uh, seeing spots, sleeplessness, paranoia. And when he pulled out the gun? In my opinion, that was the culminating psychotic act. He'd lost his ability to be responsible for his actions. Are you saying if a person is depressed or he sees spots, that's a precursor that he could become homicidal? Of course not. I'm saying in this case, it was a precursor. Well, with all this psychosis, did you ever recommend he be committed? No, but I wish I had. You wish you had. Mr. Wallace had the presence of mind to select his victim when he shot Mr. Duval instead of his lawyers, didn't he, doctor? Well, that doesn't mean it wasn't a psychotic act. Oh, no one's denying the psychosis here, doctor. The question is whether Mr. Wallace could appreciate the nature of his act. He selected the victim who angered him. He knew to stop shooting when he ran out of bullets. Are you making up your own test now, Mr. Bay, for legal? You certainly felt free to make up yours. Objection. Sustained. The fact that he was able to demonstrate victim selection is proof to me he knew exactly what he was doing. Even if his acts were ah. irrational, Doctor? I think we should introduce... And this man exhibited enough rational... Psychiatrist saying he killed the dude! First guy talking some goddamn sense in a while! This is Dennis Haskins playing the psychiatrist. You would know him because he was, I guess, the dad or something on Saved by the Bell. No, it's Mr. Belding, dude. Mr. Belding and a thousand, uh, I never watched Saved by the Bell, but what? I saw that he did 300 episodes of it. He's the principal. He's like the, in the beginning of the series, he's the principal. They all kind of like, you know, treat like a daughter, but he ends up being kind of cool. So. Oh, interesting. I have to plan this. He brought a gun to the meeting. You never watched Mr. You don't know Mr. And Belding? I, I've never watched that show. Didn't have cable growing up. Remember? I was in the woods. I had the... Uh, I had CBS and ABC and CBC French. That's all I got. You know, I think it was a CBS the show. The psychiatric no testimony NBC. was pretty much a wash. The good thing. In Massachusetts, the burden is on the prosecution to show you were sane. We don't have to prove you weren't. Well, you make it all sound so optimistic. I could almost lose sight of the fact yeah, it was that NBC. insanity defenses are successful in less than a quarter of 1% of all criminal cases. Scott, I have to tell you with your attitude, our chances are worse than that. Oh, well, if I get convicted here, Rebecca, I so go back to a society he's playing it like he's now gone crazy. pariahs than me. Yes. If you're even remotely looking forward to that society, you're every bit as insane as we're cracking you up to be. 
Well, here's a question, though. Where's Bobby? Is their defense insanity or temporary insanity? Because those are different cases. Those those are those the criteria is different. So are they saying he's just insane now? At which point his crazy behavior would make sense, as opposed to he was temporarily insane. He snapped in the moment and therefore is no longer insane. Well, they also carry different penalties, right? Like temporary mm-hmm. insanity, not guilty, you go to, back to the public, which is why I, right. I'm pretty sure that's <clears throat> what they said they were going for. Whereas insanity, you're just going to an institution. But Right. I, I, better podcast. Money. He's better working podcast. on his closing. Maybe Bobby will mention it. In I'm impressed. Closing. Business must be good. Yeah, we Is get this by. the bodyguard? And I hear you're married now. Yeah. We're going to find out. But first, let's introduce him. Big, scary-looking dude. Guy who looks like a... Is he a hitman? Is he a hitman instead of a bodyguard? This scary-looking guy who I'm not going to give away what he is, is played by Jeremy Roberts. He was in 21 Jump Street, Picket Fences, Buffy, Xena, and here we go. He was in Star Trek VI as one of the officers on the Excelsior. He was also in Deep Space Nine. He played Mesoclan in uh, Hippocratic Oath and on Voyager. He played the same character he played in Star Trek VI in the episode Flashback, finally given the name of Dimitri Baltane in Star Trek Voyager. Where is it? There we are. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. He looks more, he looks exactly like he's out of the central casting. Like they almost cast him as that dude a couple episodes ago. What was his name? Like that Italian, like. Oh, oh, yes. Clayton Daly, I think. What's the actor? Looks like they were like, you know what? We can't use you for this, but we'll bring you back in a couple weeks. (laughs) Yeah, right. You want me to kill her? No, I do not want you to kill her. He's not a hitman, okay. She's being threatened, and her life could very well be in danger. From who? His name is William Hanks. He's a serial psycho head chopper. We just successfully got acquitted. A serial psycho head chopper? he's obsessed or something with Lindsay. (laughs) 50,000 cash up front. I'm not hiring you to... I just want you to scare him. Scare him. The police have tried. The DAs have tried. The problem is he knows there's only so much they can do. I want him to hear it from somebody. Oh, he wants to he break his thumbs or some He thinks might actually shit. hurt him. Keith, this guy's yes. gonna die. Ooh. The big scary guy here is gonna go to break some thumbs, and he's gonna get his neck broken. You're really worried, huh? We're talking about my wife, Alan. I mean, this guy is sick. We Bobby's think so tan. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You remember? Uh, he was sitting up, thinking about Bruce come. Davidson under a uh, coconut tree. Sorry. You know, when I was looking at double consecutives and you got me off, and I said, someday you're going to need me just like I needed you. I also said I'd deliver. Remember that? Put the fear of God in him, Alan. Oh, shit. You got an address? Yeah, I got it written up. Bobby, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll be right out. 
So as opposed to paying any attention to what your wife is being going through, being Pretty chased around by a serial killer, he's going to do this? Scary. Yeah. I'll take care of it, Bobby. Thanks. I still think Bobby should have given more clear direction. There's a lot of ambiguity in what exactly I'll take care of it could mean there. This is has all the trappings of ending poorly for somebody. What? How could you possibly think that there might be complications from this? He's got that look that Helen used to give, though. That's why I'm scared. <laughs> You're like psychic. This is sensationalized. This man had. What been happened to the realism I've come to? I've come to demand <laughs> from the practice. Why did he just throw him out a window before this shooting? He was suffering oh. from twin. Oh, yep. Oh, oh, God! Hold it's on. It's close. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, just do it. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. Closing time. Otherwise, the client's dead. Closing time. Very well done. Very well done. Well, I need to know I, how I, far I, off I was. No. I was looking for applause, but sorry, Bruce. <laughs> was I close to the key? Uh, I think no. you're pretty close. It's close. You were like, above it. Positional emotional trauma. <laughs> I just knew you were screwed <laughs> And being accused of it. He had been on the edge of a psychotic break for which he was hospitalized. This isn't the case of lawyers and doctors finding a disorder after the event. Scott Wallace's mental condition was pre-existing and diagnosed months before. Oh. He had been on the edge. So insane. Karen's death, the arrest, the conviction, prison, the appeal, the second trial, he had been living all that while suffering clinical depression, and he finally lost it that night with Harry Duvall. Oh, so he's saying he Just snapped like in the moment. Just like Dr. Murphy told us and he would. And now he continues to be. You heard seven different experts, psychologists, forensic psychiatrists. They all told you to a medical certainty that Scott Wallace had a psychotic breakdown. We don't, we're not gonna show you any of those seven psychologists. We only showed you one, but at least they mentioned it because remember we talk often that we only can judge things by what's presented right. in the show. At least right, we get right. a little bit of a taste of what the case presented here was. That's true. But you don't have to get weighed David's down by all the medical jargon and the science. I've, the test yes, of legal insanity, invented a it time really comes to go down back and to fix this. It. Was Scott Wallace able? Was he able to conform his conduct to the requirements of the law? And to answer that question, you only need to ask yourselves this. Even if the Boston police had been right there in the room with him that night. Would he have still shot Harry Duvall? And we all know the answer to that question. It's yes. So you He should... didn't just pull out a gun and start firing. He shot the man who wronged him after planning it, after packing a gun in a briefcase to conceal it. This was a reflective choice. For every psychiatrist they put up there to declare him insane, we put up two to say he wasn't. This is a man, when okay, he so gets he had angry, 14 witnesses. Yeah. he acts on that anger. Seems like a lot. That's why he was charged with his wife's murder, for which he was convicted at first. 
That's why even his close friend, Harry Duvall, knew him to be a murderer. And that's why his own lawyer, his own lawyer, who was in the room at the time, who saw it, he knew it to be a cold-blooded act of execution. And I would say at best it's murder too. I don't think he went there to kill his partner. I think he was going to kill himself, murder too, in the moment, right? Passion in the moment. Yeah, I think that I think that makes well. I, I don't think you can prove murder one because you can't prove that he meant there to shoot. He, he went there to shoot his friend, not himself. But you certainly can prove that he murdered you. Yeah, I, I I agree. He told you that. Jimmy Berluti was a previous gunshot victim himself. He froze when Scott Wallace pulled out that gun. His powers of observation were paralyzed. He didn't even do anything to try to stop either the suicide or the homicide. Fuck you. The other eyewitness, Eleanor Frutt, she told you. Scott Wallace snapped. He pulled that gun out to kill himself. And then he went blank. And as Scott himself testified, the next thing, shots were being fired. Harry Duvall was being hit. Scott Wallace was mentally gone. There were like four other people and in the And I would submit too, every murderer has to be a little mentally gone to commit a homicide. Yeah, that doesn't there, there mean was we the, excuse it. His attorney. Scott Wallace was yeah, fed up. Yeah, totally. He'd had enough. And now it was time to get even. Revenge may be motive, but it's no defense. Can they prove he was sane beyond a reasonable doubt? Is that the bar? No. They don't prove sanity beyond Yeah, a actually Rebecca made that point. Doubt. That it is the the burden of proof is on the prosecution to prove that he was sane, not on the defense to prove that he was insane. Which seems odd to me, but but that's what at least according to Rebecca, that's how it oh, works. I trust her more than anybody. So. Yeah. Intent, preparation, victim selection. He snapped. He chose. He was insane. He was angry. Not guilty. Guilty. Could he appreciate the wrongfulness of his conduct? Yes, because when he was confronted with the people in the, the family, he, he showed remorse. That's the question. Could he appreciate right, the he wrongfulness did, yeah. of his conduct? That's the question. Team Richard Bay. Sad piano. Sad piano. Richard Bay's the good guy. No witnesses to place him near the house. What about... You said that hair could have been planted. Well, a lot of criminals are taking advantage of DNA evidence now by leaving a strand of somebody else's hair or a drop of somebody else's blood. Hinks is certainly smart enough. He is a suspect. Yes, he is. Lindsay, we're on it. I mean, can you just follow him wherever he goes? No, we really can't do that. Truthfully, I think it was a mistake for me to try to scare him. Some of these psychos, you antagonize them, they just get worse. Oh, shit. And Bobby sent a big guy. Yep. Lindsay's like, by the way, people put a VCR in my ceiling, but I guess we're just gonna... Yeah, it's fine, whatever. I don't get don't to be the victim or anything. William Hanks is... Oh, shit. Oh, shit! I didn't get to think we were going to get to see it on camera. He's sitting there all creepy in Hinks' house. 
called friends. Oh, Hinks is smiling. They know each other. God damn, Bobby picks the one guy Hinks has in his pocket? We have two very different televisions. Tried a great case, right Bobby. <laughs> we do. We have Thanks. an Unsolved Mysteries. I know, I could have been more help. A WB Supernatural show. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy! Don't you care, Scott? Scott. When I let myself care, that's when I get hurt. Or you. You know, it's just... Boom! Kidding. Bruce, you're falling apart, buddy. I started to go crazy because, you know, they were calling me a murderer. They, uh, they said I killed my wife, and I mean, look what happened. I became one. And I shot Harry Duvall, and I turned into exactly what they were calling me. You're not a murderer, Scott. Mm. Yeah. Kind of a murderer. Like kill people. Well, you're a good man, Bobby, yeah. but that's no guarantee. Sort of by definition, kind of murdery. I hate to go literal here, but... Oh, he's beeped. Jared's back. Verdict. Didn't have a cell phone? Come on, it's 2000. He did. He made two calls on it earlier. But that's still how they let him know? That's odd. Beep two times on the Mr. Ceiling. Wallace, would you please rise? Mr. Wallace. Mr. Foreman, has the jury reached a verdict? <laughs> yes, Your Honor. What say you? Commonwealth versus Scott Wallace on the charge of murder in the first degree. We find the defendant, Scott Wallace, not guilty. What? By reason of mental disease. Oh, my God. Oh, by reason of insanity. Well, there it is. The Commonwealth no moves the defendant be committed to a psychiatric facility. The court orders that the defendant be hospitalized for a period of 60 days for observation at Bridgewater. We'll consider further petitions after that. Court is adjourned. Well, I mean, he definitely should be in a hospital. It's no for question. observation and treatment. It's temporary. And Scott, you need it. Will I get out? Probably in 60 days. Scott, you need help. Treatment is a good thing here. I didn't know what to say the last time. Now. Thank you. Maybe quit killing people for like a hot sec? Yeah, just like, unless you want a couple more episodes, we got some we got some openings. Helen? Uh oh. Oh shit. Helen, Helen came, came in. into the courtroom? It's okay. Lindsay's fine. What? Oh, do you care now? What? Somebody's dead. Is it Hinks or Bodyguard? That was just that police sound cue I keep talking about all the time. Oh, panning helicopters through my headphones. You don't want to go in there. I'm going in. Bobby, I'm coming in. 
Lindsay, stay with Helen. Nobody told Bobby what happened yet. Why does Bobby get to go in and not fucking Lindsay? Oh, there's Lindsay pictures everywhere. And Hinks is... No, there's no way Hinks is dead. Although I would have been right. Yeah. Where's his head? Okay. Bodyguard has been decapitated, and Hinks is on the lamp. I think. No, he just said it was Hicks. Well, I thought he meant Hinks did it. We don't know. I, I don't know. When I saw this the first time, I took that to be Hinks's death. But we don't see the face in the freezer. Wait, so we don't know? Wait, back it up, back it up. That's some bullshit! All right. Okay, I've gone too You've far. You've gone way too far, way I'm too far. Bobby. I'm Sorry, audience. Okay, there's the, we're showing there's blood all there's, over the walls. Right. Let's listen. Bobby sees the corpse, the body. The headless corpse. Hanks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Where's his head? I think the implication is that it's Hanks. murdered? And his head is in the freezer. But. I'm trying to get a freeze frame of that. Yeah, head. right. Of the head itself, like, it looks like it's balding. Yeah, right. It looks like the other dude's head. Because that guy was, wait. Clearly, they did not have the budget to do a mold of Michael Emerson's head. So they like, what heads we got going on? Yeah. See, okay, that's the top of the head. That's the front of the it's head. It's full on balding. Right? Was the was the, was the the bouncer guy, was the six foot guy, was he balding? Neither, not, neither of them was balding, were they? Whose head is this? <laughs> Can you screenshot that? Clearly, they just like went to the warehouse and just grabbed like, eh, it's close enough. We'll just have it look in the other direction. It's like under a frozen dinner. No grape right. jelly. Well, so we hence, don't know? The, hence the ice tray now. So either Bobby ordered a... Bobby either murdered Hinks or, or got, got a man murdered. Right. Way to go, Bobby. Do you have any suspects? Hinks eat, eats frozen peas, by the way, in case you're wondering. If we follow the context clues, I think the context clues also lead us to the guy killed Hinks. But then the why guy the, killed Hinks. Why the yeah. smile then? Well, who knows? And why don't we see his face? Other than they, he, like budgetarily, a they couldn't put Michael Emerson in the freeze in like the fridge and cut it out and do the fake what and they or couldn't they couldn't make a figure out head. which way they wanted to go and we're like well let's leave ourselves open and we'll just get to the script soon enough. You already had your break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will discuss this amongst other things when we get back to the show in just a moment uh, and and talk about this uh, sh shortly. <laughs> Great. Nailed it. So many questions, so many things to discuss. 
So let's go ahead and get back into it. That's me. Hey, what's Th- up? That is you. I don't know why I've done that. Uh, I mean, honestly, <laughs> hey, it's 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 all about you. But yeah. I, I like if I had a choice between which one of us to stare at, I'd stare at you as opposed to me. Let me say, um, you're still wondering what's going on with the I'm ice just, cubes. Well, I am. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell happened at the end of that. Uh, uh, the ice cube makes a lot more sense now. The, uh, we find the head in the freezer, so. Right, right. We are thinking Hinks's head? Um, it's this way, this way, yeah. But uh, you not know a what? lot of answers. We have a lot of questions, but let's answer some questions for the audience in a segment we call... Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Y'all, Hinks is dead, or he killed somebody again. Uh, Bobby finally defends Bruce Davidson, and after 20-some witnesses, psychologists, they finally say he was crazy. He's going for a 60-day observation, and I hope at least that gives us a couple episodes that he ain't fucking in. Lindsay gets tormented by (laughs) Hanks the whole time after Hanks kills, uh, over smokes. He smokes the therapist and kills her with nicotine, comes to the hospital. Bobby gets a big-ass scary guy to go and kill him, and either is dead or killed him. All right. I I like what you did there. I saw that. All right. Well, we only have one more thing to do, and that is to throw some awards at our actors. Here we go in... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, they're a fake award show that we do at the end of every episode. But guess what? We have a surprise. confused i just got a text from my boss who was looking at what we're doing not live but what looking at last episode (laughs) and wants to know what program do you do the video layering in the assembling in uh you mean post or in live uh how uh that you layer the videos in under the png and all that kind of stuff uh obs obs Great. All right. I just solved a question for my uh, boss, and now we can talk about the. Uh, your bo- I'm available for hire if he uh, if he's yeah. interested in. Um, yeah. Well, there it is. Work. Most and in post, you do premiere, right? Yeah. Got so uh, after eleven episodes and multiple, multiple friendships ruined or strained mm-hmm. a, a relationship, a, a new marriage, uh, potentially his his wife's life uh, deprioritized, all in the pursuit of showing the world that Bruce Davidson deserves to be a free man. No matter how many people he kills. Believing so much that he's friend 
of ambiguous origin uh, deserves to be heard and and helped. Uh, He, Bobby Donald, finally reaches the, the acquittal. So he was found not guilty on every murder that he has been accused of. Because of Bobby Donald, I don't know how we don't find Bobby. Uh, it's not best friend. It's not best non asshole. It's most valuable lawyer, and uh, I think it was Bobby. Yeah. It's true, and I, I, Poor I think Richard you're Bay. right. I I know, and I honestly, in terms of the actual litigation that we saw, I think Bay did a better job. But the story needs this to continue for reasons. So, uh, yeah, no, I I think Bobby might be. A horrible asshole in this move in this movie in this episode. But yes, he is the most valuable lawyer. Coming up next, this will be an interesting one. Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go! But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the app. Um, well, here's the thing. Yeah. Mr. Hanks, always amazing. We, we touted mm-hmm. his incredible facial acting, intimidation, mm-hmm. creep factor. We've lauded him with oopsies in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to all of our guests, our, our extras, basically. Lindsay... Not yeah. Lindsay, uh, Rebecca. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the victim's family in the in the galley. They get every they all a lot of great facial acting and and extra acting. In all honesty, in this episode, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think that finally, after generally getting cast aside by us, this is the first time that I think Bruce Davidson, real Bruce Davidson, actor Bruce Davidson, mm-hmm. actually conceptualized and painted the entire pictured of the fractured man. He, I think, for my two cents, his performance was more indicative of the character than the writing allowed it to be. Yeah. He had to layer a lot on. Because listen to all of the questions we've had. Was he really crazy? Was he crazy in the moment? Is this all bullshit? Is this a strategy? When did he go crazy? What have they been setting up for? Was he crazy from the beginning? Did he just become crazy in the moment? That was all so muddy the clearest picture of where he was was him. He 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 is crazy. He was under a lot of stress, but he also felt remorse. It's a complicated picture, and the and the clearest vision of it we got was from Bruce Davidson, the actor. And I think that I would like to uh, commend that with my Oopsie Award. Yeah, and I I think that's I think that's really fair, and especially because the the cr- the crazy parts in the writing itself was a little clunky. Mm-hmm. Like the sort of like jokes and the shots and this idea, like it was a little, it, it it felt a little forced crazy, and where it was most successful was when he was saying normal things in a crazy fashion. Uh so uh, you know, it, it it's a tough call because this might be the swan song of both Michael Emerson and Bruce Davidson. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know at this point. Uh, but I do think, yes, it should go to...
It, it's like one of your bumpers. Wait, it is like, here it is. Wait. <laughs> that last one is so sad. It is the saddest oh. little shot fired. Uh, all right, well, congratulations, Bruce Davidson, on your well-earned best guest actor. Now it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show It is not easy to start at 11 And stay (laughs) at 11 for a whole episode It's exhausting It's probably way too much But if you can do it And also hire a hitman Pretty impressive. And uh, I think that there was a lot of great, every, there's, this is actually very difficult because whilst Dylan was the, I think, the, I think it's his episode. Right. And I think ultimately I'm, I'm leaning towards giving him the oopsie. I, I, I'll put you up for fodder for argument. Helen has some great scenes and Lindsay has some wonderful scenes. Lindsay has an excellent scene with the therapist's mother in the, in the ER. And then and her showdown with Hanks. Yeah, every encounter with Hanks is really, effective and you know kelly williams is just she's just fire every time she's given something to do and she's been this whole arc she is not once she's been able to play the fear but also the proactive sort of i'm not going to be treated this way fear without victimhood yes and that is a that's a that's a really tricker tricky plank to walk and uh she's just been awesome but i just and she's been forced to play the victim before and this is like a good development both for the writing of the show and her portrayal of it to not be the victim here you know jimmy also or michael botaluco i thought was served some raw uh i don't i I think that the writing was speaking of clunky i think specifically for jimmy he was kind of set up to fail as a character in this episode like i don't understand it just didn't feel right it felt like i don't know what we were supposed to feel but he felt like he was they they wrote him into a corner and and I don't think Bataluco could really overcome that as much as he tried and was good. I, I really do think Bobby um we don't like, you know, he was an asshole. I don't think they were trying to get away from it, but he truly believed in Bruce and and I thought Dylan played it well. I, like I said, I I think it's I think it's Dylan McDermott. Well, it's it's interesting. I think I disagree with you uh, on Michael, I actually I agree with you that the the setup was a little clunky, and he was given a, a couple of clunky things to do. But I actually thought he was brilliant on the stand, and and uh, sort of being in a position where he had to do three things at once. One, he had to be on the stand as the character reliving a traumatic moment, defend himself from Bobby. And uh, and also play the the betrayal, but but hide it because he's on the stand. He can't really play the full amount of betrayal that he's feeling from the way Bobby is treating him. So he has to hide it and yet play it at the same time. I thought he did a really terrific job. So uh, we're gonna go splitsies. So half to Michael Bataluco and half to Dylan McDermott, which brings us to the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Right over here, you're gonna see um oh uh uh Tom Brady in, in Lindsay's desk drawer, which uh <laughs> is pretty funny. 
Um, <laughs> you had to really like shrink Tommy down. Oh, and you did go with lifeless body. So uh, congratulations I did. on that. No, I, uh, I, I, I went with a bolder choice. Always. You said big you, season of big swings. So, you know, you don't, big you're swings. not. Uh, this week. Season of season desist. Well, this week, if we're going to do it, then I guess we should do it. Uh, you know where I'm going with this. I know exactly where you're going to go with this. All right. Yes. Well, then, uh, does it need to be said? Yeah, I'll say it. Tom Brady's head in Mr. Hinks's freezer, Tom Brady, <laughs> is, uh, you know what? I want to do it differently. I don't want it in Mr. Hinks's freezer. Keith, I want it in yours. Tom Brady in <laughs> Keith's actual freezer, Tom Brady, wins this week's award. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, th- you're not going to finish this podcast till I'm in prison. Okay, congratulations, Tom Brady's head in my freezer, Tom Brady. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> All right, we have only one more thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. You know... We've been lamenting the exhaustion, the Bruce Davidson exhaustion for weeks now. So you'd think that by the time we got to the climax, we'd be over it. And as of last week, I was over it. But something about this episode brought me back. You're back under it. And I have to say, I don't think, this is gonna be one of our longest episodes. I don't think we've ever had as much discussion during the episode as we did this week, legitimate. Mm. Is legitimate. And in fact, for me, it's raised some really interesting questions about the justice system because the insanity thing is really kind of nuts. So, as far as Bobby explains it, they were able to prove that he's been having mental problems from the beginning and that finally he snapped. And that because of that, he's not liable for the death of this man. He gets 60 days evaluation. And if they decide he's not, you know, a, a He's not going to be a threat to society. He could be free. And right. at no point did they say he didn't kill this guy. In fact, on the stand, he's like, yeah, I was going to kill somebody. And I just find that, you know, to really raise some interesting questions, big picture, is this, or do we, is the, is the, is it actually looking for justice or is it just looking to, I don't know how to even frame the question. It's just, you know, this isn't an eye for an eye kind of system in any way and nor is it like the guilty are found guilty it's it's there's so much nuance and there's so much sort of arbitrary uh, rules and anyway um i think i think it's really interesting in that regard i thought the performances were great at even though they were set up to be really challenging like dylan had a a, a tough road to to hoe because he was like i said at 11 and he was more unhinged he was as unhinged as bruce davidson he was an asshole. I don't like the way he's even remotely handling the Lindsay situation, and, and he's found himself in some deep shit now. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it was a good episode. I loved it, like you said, even for me, a couple itches were scratched that they, they let us know how actually big the case was. He had seven witnesses. Uh, Bay had... 14 witnesses. There were 21 psychologists called to the stand. So it was a big, you know, they filled in a couple of the gaps. Uh, They set up some great arcs moving forward, even without Bruce, even without Hinks. There's some fissures in the office now. 
And clearly there are some, there's some aftermath that Bobby's going to have to face some clean up some, some questions. And, uh, I, I think it's, it, I think it, it brought to close two really interesting chapters of the season. I'm going to give it 7.75 spare tires. Yeah. Well, like I always say, I think that's fair. Um, I think your point about the insanity defenses and what that says about our legal system, there there was something said in the episode that I think we probably talked over, but it was about how rare insanity defenses actually are and how rare within that rarity it is to actually succeed on an insanity defense. And I think uh, on the practice, that's their go-to for almost mm-hmm. every murder case. And I, I think that is a bit of a trope, a television trope, in which like, they just sort of jump to that because it's fun to argue on TV. But I think it's very rare in real life. I mean, I may be wrong, but I, I get that impression. On the episode itself, I'm so torn. I've been torn a lot this season because... There's some really cool things here being set up. The rift within the office, the the Hinks issue, Bobby may or may not have hired a hitman to kill this guy. It was ambiguous. Like, what are the what are the consequences coming from that? What are the consequences in within their own marriage about he how Bobby has handled this by ignoring it and then going way overboard? Um on the other hand, I feel like there's just been a lot of missed opportunities in a lot of these plot lines. And, and it just feels like it felt like a little rushed. It it felt a little bit like David had a lot of really good ideas here. And, oh, oh, we're, we're uh, starting the, the oopsies yeah. again. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, we're, David's got a lot of good ideas here but none of them are quite executed in a satisfying way. It feels like everything is like almost there, but they they forgot to think through this element of it. Or The turkey or, was just like a little undercooked. It was, it was good. a little Yeah. It was it was a little undercooked and it was like a little overstuffed, but they didn't season the stuffing. Mm. Uh so and as a result, the reason I feel torn is because conceptually and on pieces of it, I think it's a very high rated episode, but, but the follow through is low. So it's not like, I'm going to give it seven tires, but that's not really reflective of how I feel about it. It's like eight tires and five tires. And, and Uh so it sort of ends there in a, in a, in a mediocre place, but I think it's, the sum yeah, of its, its parts are different than that. It's like a yeah, you know what? That's a good point. It's like a Voltron, right? And each of the individual little lines are really cool and really intricate. But for some reason, when you assemble it, it sort of it's like leans to one side. It it's not quite. It well, doesn't it's, quite. Co- it's not cohesive in a, yeah, in a lot of ways. Every ingredient is almost good. Especially the closing. I thought they each gave a great closing and they did that thing that you and I love is when they kind of bounce the closings back and forth. They right. do that sort of closing montage. I thought that was great. Um, you know, the big picture, you know, it, I'll tell you what's a great example of what, exactly what you're saying, Keith, is we have this one character, Mr. Hinks, who is like this incredible villain that they build up and then 
and he's he's scary and he's intimidating and he's like he, he can't be solved. He's this great Rubik's cube, and then they kill him off camera. Right. Exactly. They kill him off camera in an episode in which he has maybe 10 lines. Correct. And on the flip of that, here's Bruce Davidson's character, who is sort of, we are not given any context to what his real motivation is from the beginning or even at the end. And yet they stretch it for 11 episodes. And right. he's found not guilty and he goes to the asylum right. place for 60 days. It's like, it's- you, you, you have the interesting one rushed and the boring one not rushed nearly enough. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's cotton candy, wanna... baby. It, it, it's good in that moment on your tongue, but then you, you're you're hungry t- two minutes later. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. And so as as a result, this whole season has felt that way, where, you know, the Mr. Hinks comes to town is, I think, you know, like as I mentioned before, I gave it a 10. I think it might be the best episode of the whole series, but the season as a whole has some holes in it. And, well, and you know, this is where I want the podcast that we aren't, that is doing the investigative journalism of like, what's happening behind the scenes? Is there some issues in production? Are, are, is, is, is David E. Kelly being stretched too thin? Is well, because like, he, he's writing two TV shows at once. I think this is like the final season of Ally McBeal where you had Robert Downey Jr. on it and then he got arrested for a drug thing and they had to write him off and he was rescuing the show. Their, his dynamic with Ali McBeal was like literally rescuing the show, both in ratings and in quality. And then he disappeared. So it's possible that he was like, oh God, I've got to try to fix this other thing. And this again felt rushed. Uh, so when we have David on to have a have an interview, if anybody <laughs> knows David and wants to send him our way, we have lots of questions. I'm when sure he he'd wants love to, to talk murder about us it. for yeah. when we pick apart literally every word he's ever written. Oh, right. So uh, we have given some tires. We have talked for far too long. It is time for us all to move on with our day. But before you do, reach out to us. Tell us what you thought at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. You can find our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Let us know what you thought and tell Apple, what yeah, this you is wrong by leaving us out, a rating Instagram and review. Instagram is definitely out of practice podcast is Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, don't do not do what we we uh, wrote on the screen. Do what we say. Anyway, the Out of Practice <laughs> podcast is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wrights, Cloud Lover 69, Jorge Novoa, Jennifer Masanova. Dad, make them give us money. Um... I love that that's wrong. That is the perfect synopsis of this show. But if you would like to support this show that has even their own information wrong, financially, you can do so. (laughs) Give us money for our incompetence. The show notes. Not a lot of people do it anyway. The show notes uh, below will will show you how to do that. Um, Turns out that after all of these creative ways to say uh, laser sounds, nobody has done it better than our own uh, antagonist, Bruce Davidson. So I'm going to... uh, Leave it to him going out this week, and uh, we're going to play our laser sounds and then let let Bruce uh, say goodbye to the series this way.